Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from the patrons at patreon.com slash FML FPL. Here we are, last part of the season, last part until like mid-July when next season's FPL game opens up. How are you? How do you feel? Are you ready for the longest break of our podcast lives? Yeah, I feel feel good. I'm glad the season's over and I'm definitely okay with a little month or a month and a half break, I think. Much to the dismay of some uh, some of the Slack listeners, we're not doing a women's World Cup pods this year. No we women's World Cup pods. No MLS fantasy MLS pods. No, no fucking. fantasy Norway league. We're going to be actually off for a little bit. Yep. And again, you know, just to reiterate, if you're signed up to the Patreon, we're not going to be charging until the season starts next, so you don't have to worry about that. Yep. Um Yeah. So, what about you? How are you feeling? I'm a little I mean, this bit was sad. Your, I mean, this is yeah. the worst season I've pretty much ever had. By, by far. Yeah, and I'm st- I still feel sad, though. Like, I still feel like a gap in my lives, in, in my lives, in my life, where on the weekend I'm not going to be waking up really early and thinking about my lineup and thinking about moves and all that shit. And I'm, I'm already like, fuck, I can't wait for the next, next season's game to open up because I just want to tinker and, and, and fuck around and do all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, the my favorite part of the whole year by far is when they release the game. Oh, and it's like the that, best. It's the fucking that, best. That like yeah, that like three week period. Yeah. It's just so fun. All the prices and it's just everyone's freaking out and all the like theories and it's just so good. Yeah. yeah. Um. So let me well, housekeeping and then we'll oh, housekeeping. Right. Yeah, well, housekeeping. And then we have. Pretty much the most questions submitted we've ever had. Well, what so, about our last Game Week 38? Oh, do you want to talk about it? I don't care. What do you want I to don't, do? I don't care. I mean, it it was horrible as usual for me. I took a million hits as usual for me and took, got another red arrow as usual for me. Okay. What about you? Um, I got 77. I mean, I, I ended up 25K, um, which Solid. is not... Yeah, I mean, it's solid. It's not what I was, I'm not, like, if you told me before the season you'll be 25K, I would have been upset about it. Right. And I am upset about it, but it is the highest rank I've had all season. So that's nice. That's to really end. good. Yeah, it's nice to end on like a high point, but yeah, I mean, we'll get into our, uh, our lessons that we've learned this season, but I think I, yeah, very, I, mean, I, I very clearly gave up around game week 34 or 5, and I took 32 points. It's in the last. Five yeah. game weeks, so you know that yeah. 
that one as I went. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah, but I mean, this is my worst rank since the first season I played when I didn't even really know the rules. Um, but I've just like you know, I've only had one top ten k finish, and my last three years, it's like they're not like bad. I was like sixteen k, sixteen k, twenty three k, and now twenty five k. But it just doesn't feel like where I, I just want to do better. I don't know. Right, like you're at this. Point where you know you'll be able to get to around this rank, and you need to figure out how to push on from there. It seems like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I so mean, I have that 4K or rank, which was like, I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I know how to play. I know what the rules are. Everything's right. going to be great. And then, yeah, I mean, the last few seasons, it's been similar to, the, and I think it's when they introduced all the chips. Like that really didn't help me. Well, you know it's weird. I'm just looking at your history. You had the exact same total points in 17, 18, and 16, yeah. 17. Yeah, I like that. 2,282. Dude, that's like my sweet spot. I Holy strive shit. for that. Holy that's shit. one of my preseason goals. That's so but, weird. But yeah, like when I introduced the chips is when I, when I started to just... Because like the last few years, and this year included, is kind of like I'm really meandering around for... The first few months, and then I yeah. start doing better and making a late push. But I've never been in a position where I've just like started well and have been able to kind of like play the controlling game instead right. of like the, if you like, were able to figure out a way to not be three hundred k in game week twelve like you were this season, if you were one fifty k at that point, and yeah. then you had so, sort of the same trajectory, that's a top five k finish. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. We'll figure it out next year. I don't know. I'll probably be. I don't know who's to say. Anyway, I do the housekeeping. Yeah, housekeeping. So shout out to the FML Fail Prize League slash Mugly winner for May final mug of the season, Matt White, aka Whitey's Whippets. Love, love that. Um, Shout out to the winner of the FML Fail Public League, Jack March, aka Shark Team, finished ninth overall in the world. Oh wow! Yeah, very high rank. Actually, on that note, Bocce Coach on Slack asked a weird math question that I have no idea how to actually calculate. But he was asking if you average a game week rank of one one ish million across the thirty eight weeks, does that work out to an OR of around one k? And when I looked back just to see, because I know it, that's such complicated math. 1K? Yeah, I have no idea how to work that math. The average game week rank for Jack March, ninth in the world, was 1.4 million. Yeah. Isn't yeah, that crazy? I, I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, there, are, first of all, are so many more players this season. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to always like adjust the numbers. Like, there are over 6 million this year. Like, last year, there were like five and four, whatever. It goes up like a million every year. But, um, yeah, I mean, there are so many game weeks where we just have like three million plus, and yeah. even in game weeks where we have like huge greens, are only like somewhere around the like one hundred to six hundred k game week rank for those weeks. So I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just weird yeah. to think that if you're around one and a half million, million every yeah. game week average, you're ninth in the world. Yeah, just yeah. kind of crazy. And lastly, shout out to the um, Slack Hive Mind team. We got a lot of people saying that we should shout it out. We did a Hive Mind this season. Everyone in Slack basically voted on every move, transfer, captain, all that shit for one team all season. Finished 37K overall. Pretty fucking behind, good. Behind me, so. Behind Walsh. Way out of me. Um, <laughs> shout out to Rydale, who I think thought of the idea. Dave, Ray, George, others who helped manage it and... 
everyone on Slack for making usually not diabolical decisions. Yeah, we'll do it again next year. It was fun. Definitely, definitely. Okay, so moving on. So is there somewhere you want to start or should we just start with questions? Um, no, I think questions are good. I, I think I mean we have some we have more questions this pod than probably all season we have done. Way so more. I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll cover everything we want to talk about by just letting that guide us probably. Okay, let's do it. So YOLO on Twitter. Are there any lessons learned at the keeper position after the season that we can take into next season? You guys both went with cheaper options for much of the year. Didn't seem to find much joy there. Walsh went to Ederson more recently and seems quote unquote happy. Have the premium keepers been worth the extra cost and should every template in game week one start with the premium keeper? Thanks. Um, I mean, that's not entirely true on my team's assessment. Like I did start with Allison and I did get rid of him when I wildcarded in like game week or I, I, I did downgrade the spot, but I was on premium keeper for more of the season than I think I ever have been on. Um, let's see. You had, you had 13 starts of Allison, 11 starts of Patricia, which is hilarious in hindsight. Don't. Don't. And six starts of Ederson. So yeah, more yeah. premium than not, but still 11 Patricia. Yeah, well, I got backed into a corner there, and yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. so sad every week. But right. but even still, like 11, normally it's like... Normally it's I like have over, 25 yeah, on a 4-5. Yeah, at least. I mean, yeah, yeah, if yeah. not, like 35. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was there again. You know, I started with Allison. Like that was something I was talking about preseason about going premium keeper because it, for all of the, I mean, I don't want it, whatever. But wait, so um, that was a wild card move. It looks like I'm just looking yeah, at your transfer. It was, issue. Yeah, it was, you went it Henny was when, on wild card over Allison, and then Henny to Patricia. Oh yeah, my he God. got injured or died like immediately. No, I but, think but, he made a Nazi salute or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's a Nazi? Never What's heard of a them. Nazi. Don't, Never don't, heard of, yeah. don't don't teach that in Wales uh, primary school. Yeah, I guess. Exactly. But um, no, I mean, I was, and then I was just really that huge, ridiculous run of Wolves fixtures. Just like I thought that I would get some cleans there, and it obviously didn't happen because they're so so bad. But yeah, I mean, I think the one thing again, this is the main talking point that we had preseason was this is the first year. As far as I can remember, that the top like three or so teams were all five point five million goalkeepers. Usually they're six, except they have. And yeah. it, well, yeah, well, he's a he's like a bottom four goalie now. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. It's uh, that's a big. Di- I mean, that's a big difference. Like if you're able to spend nine five at goalie instead of ten, I mean, you've been putting the point five in, in defense or anywhere else. I mean, that's a big difference. You know, the extra point five when you look at like the points per million stuff. And it, I, to like the four or five goalies or the five goal, the five million goalies, it goes a long way. So, I mean, we'll have to see next season if they if they bump the prices of Allison and Ederson up to six. Which, I mean, I do expect. Yeah, I expect. That. I th- yeah, I, I think we'll have to see. I mean, then it could be like maybe Loris at five five is going to be a good pick if if they have easy fixtures at the beginning, or or Kappa at five five. But I think it's like partially a goalie commentary, but. I mean, more also with just the defenses in general. It just felt like this was the season of the absolute death of like the budget defender, budget clean sheets of the world. Like it just, no good team had four budget defenders and Rabo. Like you at least had two. Right. Or so I, I think it's just kind of a shift of, 
One for one thing, there's just less really good midfielders where you could be able to spend the extra million or so in these midfielders and have some seven five midfielders who are like markedly better than the cheaper options, and then maybe you make the points up there. But the midfield options this season and last season to an extent as well, you know, from seven five below, it's just basically a barren wasteland and pretty much complete unpredictability you're going to be spending transfers on those spots rich you know siggy jerry d like whoever you you look at versus the similarly if not cheaper priced defenders like you know laporte or liverpool defenders i mean even david luiz at the end of the day finished with a good points total like it's just a it just this season, like they proved to be the premium defenses is really where the points were coming yeah so, and, and i have a comment on this also that's kind of I haven't finished I wanted to re-listen to our preseason pods to kind of I don't know bookend the season and I got through like two two of them I haven't finished them all but a common theme that I will bring up a lot and it's part of our downfalls definitely my downfall is we nailed this shit in preseason more than oh, we yeah. probably I mean, we, ever had. Like we I mean, were, we started with Robbo and Mendy. Like we had, we were all, all of the guys. over heavy defense. We were all over premium keeper. I started with De Gea. You started with Ederson. And slowly Allison. through the course of the season, we went away from our preseason yeah. reads, and mm-hmm. that really, really hurt us. And then you look at someone like Derek, who all he does is listen to everything we say and basically do what we say. I mean, I'm not shitting on him. He's good at FPL, but. He just like he had Robo and VVD like all year. Robo, VVD, Ederson never all, left his team yeah. all year. All year, he finished top five yeah. k. He had yeah. thirty two starts from VVD, twenty nine from Ederson, twenty three. I mean, sorry, twenty nine from Robo, twenty three from Ederson. Like yeah. he just that's exactly what we said to do, and we just didn't do it. And I mean, obviously, De Gea is a fucking joke, and. You know, yeah, but it's the same principle. It was just like principle. an unlucky thing. Yeah, with that. I mean, like if if I started with Ederson instead of De Gea, I wonder how different my team would be because that's that's a lot of points that yeah, I, especially I early on. I mean, you like you had your one eleven k game week six, like yep, that's really really high rank for game week six. That and early. imagine if I had a keeper. Yeah, I mean, if you had a keeper for the first six weeks, like Ederson or Allison, you probably would have been fifty k, if not better. But and then it just went downhill from there. But yeah, I mean, the the heavy keeper came in this season for sure. I mean, you know, you look at Pickford. I don't know how he finished third in this. In the, I well, mean, Everton Pickford ended and Etheridge the so strong. Yeah, they did. And, and I mean, Pickford and Etheridge both did have their their fair share of pen. I mean, they each had three penalty saves, which is basically twenty points each with bonus points to their yeah. point total. So, I mean, that t- you have to take that with like a variance grain of salt, kind of a thing. Um, yeah, and and again, like just this, we we said this, we called this to a fucking T in the preseason. We basically said that all the premium guys are going to be the top guys, and there's going to be a couple. Four or five to five of them uh, goalkeepers who finish like you know top five or whatever. There always is every year, but the majority of them are a lot worse than the top guys, and it's just worth paying that extra mill to just guarantee the points. And you know, I missed 
heavily with De Gea, but if you picked Allison or Ederson to start the season, like you just have way more points than than other people who start with other yeah. keepers. Yep. Yeah, yeah that's goalkeeper box. It's funny when you look at my. I mean, it's funny in a horrifically dark way when you look at my goalies. But I had eleven starts from Fabianski, eight starts from De Gea. Six from Etheridge, five from Guaita, three from Heaton. I just like fucking. Yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I have so many and, transfers. And here, yeah, spending the transfers is also. It's I spent like, like five transfers sp- on keeper, <laughs> and I never got a good one. I didn't have yeah. Allison or Ederson for one week this season. Yeah, that's not good. Oh my god, I'm so bad. All right, all right. I don't want too much of that. What? How bad I am? Yeah, about you like self-deprecating. I'm an idiot. That's not. E- I'm not even. All right, whatever. Whatever. That's that question. So Mishkan Slack, how do you assess your season? Do you look at it <laughs> game week by game week? I'm thinking of keeping a journal next season to track what my thinking was around the time I made the transfers and how similar are seasons overall. Can you use a strategy from one season prior to do well in the next in the following season? It's a complicated question. It's very I, complicated. Yeah, I well. So the one thing, you know, I mean, and not to harp on it, but I mean, the chips, I hate the chips. I hate all of them. I loved it so much more when we just had two wild cards, like yeah. simple, just simple game, like that's it. It just cuts down on the, there's already so much like luck involved in FPL, I feel like, and spiking chips is just ridiculous. Like I don't, I just hate that aspect of the game, but yeah. I think the chip, Play is like fairly consistent among like, you know, what the strategy should be. Like, you know, looking at blank game weeks, double game weeks, and you know, utilizing them at that point. But right, right. Other other than that, I mean, I, I don't. I think it's you know you could chunk the season like the beginning third, like game weeks one to thirteen or so. Like you really want to just try to not have an absolutely ridiculous team value. And try and be somewhere in the hundred k range, and then once you once we get to like game week thirteen or, or thereabouts, I feel like we start to get a much better read on you know team performances, player positions, like all those things, managerial selections. So us like competitive players who really follow this shit every week, like who's really what teams are like really bad, you know what teams yeah. are really bad at home or, or, or like you know what I mean. And so, like that's then that's where I feel like between like thirteen and thirty is where you dictate where you're going to finish, kind of, because when everyone's doing their chips at the end of the season, like you're going to rise and you know you're going to finish with better game week ranks than most people if you're holding on to the chips. But I mean, that's kind of how I like look at the season in complete hindsight or retrospect. That that makes sense to you. What do you think about that? I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think yeah. we basically say it every year, and we—it's uh, another thing that is very difficult to actually follow through on. But yeah, chips don't matter that much. I mean, obviously, the super high rank guys probably did well on their chips, but they did well on everything, and that's part of the reason why they did well on their chips. And the the point spread between you, like having a plan and like not having the best bench boost and having a plan and having a great bench boost is it's really not that much in the course of the season so yeah i think like chips in general i don't know why we're talking about chips but i think chips in general are are something that we pay too much attention to and honestly i was looking at captaincy points too and 
It's really interesting. Like I just pulled five teams to just get kind of a, a lay of the land. I did me, Hive team, your team, Derek, and that guy who finished ninth overall and won the, won the public league. You had the highest captaincy points on there, but all of the captaincy points were, were very close. Like there's not a big discrepancy between the guy who finished ninth overall in the world and me who finished 500 millionth in the world, you know, and Hive Mind had way worse captaincy points over the course of the season than I did. And they finished again a million points higher than me, uh, a million places higher than me. So I think like all of those micro things like captain and chips and whatever actually have way less of a of an effect on your overall and having the best overall rank is just using your transfers wisely you know getting the obvious players making the obvious moves holding guys long term and that's usually what dictates the best rank i think yeah yep i, I like that i agree with that for sure yeah for sure. as for like keeping yeah. notes like mishka said i mean this is something that i mean is one of my favorite episodes of the year was when you you fireside chatted with the general, but one of my big takeaways from that pod is I do want to be more sort of um, like conscious of the things I'm thinking about instead of just like the way we do it now is we just pod on Monday. I like tinker maybe through the week a little bit. I make my move on Friday, write lambs and that's it. But I don't like remember what the fuck we potted about. We just potted, you know, <laughs> like we just talked and it was great and I had fun and like it was good. And then I don't think about it again for the rest of the week, what we actually talked about, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think like just Leaving myself some notes or like just little things of like, uh, I wanted to get Kuhn in by game week 18. I'm just making shit up. Like, I need a, I need reminders of myself. And again, I keep going back to the preseason pods, but if I had just like tattooed on my fucking forehead, like get the best defenders, heavy defenders, keep them all year, then I'd be so many places higher and had a much better season. And I just like, I just drifted away from it and fell into old bad habits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think you know, for me, another takeaway that I've never really had before is that I'm gonna. I want to trust my gut feels a lot more than I have in the past. Um, you know, there are a few folks who I'll chat with, like in some weeks when I'm a little not sure what to do or I'm confused about it, but. I found whenever I do that, it just kind of confuses me. And when I engage someone else with, you know, this is what I'm thinking, this is whatever, I know what in the deepest depths of my soul and being, like what I want to do. Yeah, that was one of the biases that we, that the, that lady in the fireside chat came up with, like that exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I need to just, I think like next year, just like do a lot less of that because I trust myself more than other than you, like anyone else. So obviously I'm going to still talk to you about my moves because as mentioned, you're like the person whose view I value the most, Thank you. but otherwise, like, I don't think I'm going to try and drive myself up a tree by, you know, chatting to a few folks and being like, "Hey, what do you think? Hey, what do you think? Hey, what do you think?" Because it just causes like more uncertainty when I just, again, you know, it's similar to like me captaining Ron Don or bringing in like Redmond or yeah. whatever. It's it's like when I have a feeling about something and then I don't do it, I'm just less happy anyway. 
Right. And so following that is something I'm going to pay attention to next season more, for yeah, sure. I like that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, Barrick on Slack. Last year, Walsh's quote-unquote lesson of the season was to hold guys like Erickson and KDB over the long term. What lessons do you take away from this season, and how likely are you to actually follow them? That's um, <laughs> that second part is very unlikely. Yeah, the, the <laughs> following is the following is difficult. I mean, I did start with Erickson to be fair this season, and, um, and Kev until the World well, Cup was, and all Kev, that shit. Kev, yeah, well, Kev was dead, so he yeah, was exactly. Option, but but, it, but it, we were trying to follow that at least. Yeah, um, I th- I think that spending okay. So the the one thing that I think really was compounded this season, which is we talked about it preseason and we kind of hinted around it at lessons learned at the end of last season. But I think last season, the season, like midfield is a problem. And it's, we have spent so many years just three, four, three. There's no question. Like you want as many attackers as possible. You want three forwards. You want four midfielders. There's always some budget forwards. You could fit two premiums. There's always midfielders in the six, five to eight, five region that you could chop and change and they're going to yeah. be good point returners. Mid price midfield is a legitimate, significant, enormous problem in FPL. And I think this season is the first time we finally really saw a shift from like competitive players and formation wise to at, at least four defenders. Yeah, I mean, and yeah. you know, you you look at the midfield place like the midfield point scores at the end of the season and four of the the top four are all over 10 million price midfielders. And then you have like Siggy and Fraze and then you have Paul and then it's a few more 9 million guys, Ericsson, Son, Sané, and then it goes back down into some mid-price guys or whatever. But then, you know, when you're looking at the mid-price guys in the seven-five region in, in that area, they're getting you know, like 150 points or so, which is yeah, like 130 so, to 170 yeah, or something. Yeah. It's so much less than like Robo Van Dyke, Trent Laporte, like David Luiz, and they're all like cheaper. Even Alonzo. Dean, Asphill, yeah. Kyle Walker, like Pereira, Doc, PVA, like all of these guys, yeah. So I mean, you know, we're gonna always see, you know, Siggy seven. He fi- he finished up price at seven four. Like he was like between seven seven five all season. I'm um, one eighty two. You know, a lot of that is because he didn't get injured all season really, and he played over three thousand minutes. But well, also Everton, you know, like we said, just like kind of came on so strong at the end. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, same with Fraze, like played over 3,000 minutes. So, you know, that counts for a lot over the course of the season. And, you know, he finished with 181 points, also very nice. He's, he started at 5-5, five, five, obviously, finished up at 6-4. But, you know, there's always going to be the, like, the one or two guys in that price region mm-hmm. who's just great value. Like, like, you know, the Mares season a few ago or Ramsey even longer ago, yeah. who, you know, if you manage to find that one, like, diamond in the rough, then you're going to be doing great, but we know that like, like Liverpool and City next season are both going to just be the two best teams in the league by far, and we know that they're going to keep like at least 15 clean sheets, and that you know, would be like so, a huge fall off from from this yeah, year. And, you know, you know right. I mean, setting like a, like a floor or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that 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 shift in mentality of just looking more at defense and not being shy to. Starting four, if, if if you know, I don't think five at the back. I mean, we both have had periods this season where we want five at the back, but that's like 
that's my basically my main takeaway is like don't try and fit in a few shitty ass midfielders in the six five region when I could have defenders who aren't as like sexy or whatever. And I mean, it is a little bit of a reiteration of kind of what we were talking about going into the season. You know, we both did start very heavy in defense this season. And, uh, but, but I think it was just that was like before the season started. That was kind of like we were on a very limb. Like no one was talking about that. Yeah. No one was spending, you know, having two six plus million mid defenders and a five million and a five five. Like we were spending a lot of money on defense. And then it slowly, like as the season progressed, that started to be more in most teams. But now it's like we have more data to, to kind of show us this. And I don't really see a rebounding from these mid-price midfielders. I just think like the, the discrepancy in the in the quality of the teams is is getting a little bit broader, and there just aren't that many good midfielders. So, yeah, I don't even remember the original question. I'm going on. No, it's kind of just it kind of was that it was like lessons learned and things to take into next season and. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I mean, this goes, we're, we're kind of saying the same thing that we said on the other questions, but like for me, reiterating what you just said about going with your gut feeling, I mean, I was all about this. Like I have notes in my phone from like July. I, I vividly remember this. I was like on the train and I was just like listening to music or something and I just wrote in my phone like three city, three Liverpool. Five at the back. I remember writing that. I remember just being like, it's so easy. They're the two best teams by far. Def- defend- their defenders are fucking good and attacking, and they're going to keep like a million cleans, way more than any other team. And I should just do it. And I get, you know, convinced and blah, blah, blah. I start the season in 3 5 2 or 3, yeah, 3 5 2. And like, there's no reason why. Like, all of my preseason tinkers were five, five, Fucking two three or five three two whatever the fuck, and oh my god, my season would have been so different if I just we, followed we, my gut there. We need to just not watch any YouTube highlights. Oh my god, Jota! We can't like we need to prevent our, each other from. Yeah, doing but it. Jota, we we fucking nailed it with Jota. <laughs> we absolutely a, nailed it with Jota. It just oh. took him five months. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Yeah, he had twelve returns from game week twenty three to thirty eight. Twelve returns in fifteen game weeks. He was like six million at that point. That's pretty yep. good. Yeah, that's okay. absurd. It's fucking absurd. Jeff D on Slack. Is there a player or players that won your heart over this season and feel nailed into your game week one team next season? And are there players who have broken your heart to the point where it'll be very hard to give them a second chance? Um, I the my my biggest regret of the season is not having Laporte. Like basically, I don't think I had him all year. Yeah. Um, it was just absurd. Yeah. Um, just absurd. So I he's he's one of the first names in my in my team. You know, probably Ederson. Also, I mean, we'll have to see. We'll have to see what the fixtures look like and the prices and stuff. But I mean, you know, obviously the Liverpool defender. I mean, it's it's. I mean the Liverpool and the City defenders is just it's just feels like it's not that fair because of the volume of clean sheets. I mean they just don't face that many shots every game. Yeah. They're just so much better than all the other teams. Yep. And more I like I I feel like more inclined to have City defenders. I mean 
There's maybe only, we'll see what they do in the transforming, but like other than Laporte and Ederson, you know, I mean, who knows what it is. But, but even like Kyle Walker, like he misses the odd game and here and there. But the amount that Pep rotates in attack is concerning. And, you know, even with like Raz, right? Like Raz was like good all year. I had him for most of the year. He finished third in the point standings. Yeah, a lot but, of points. But he he was almost like kind of like Dean when he went through that spell where he's either like scoring fifteen points or he's subbing on for a point or he's just playing zero minutes and I didn't love that it wasn't like a great feeling and he's one of the most expensive players in the game so I don't know I, that the the minutes played in the rotation thing I, I need to spend more time looking at because I was so another thing I was like looking what was the original question. Oh, players that we like. Okay, so players that the, won us over and players that broke yeah. us broke our heart. I mean, players I hate. Like obviously, all Wolves players, pretty much everyone <laughs> on Spurs. Like, there's no questions. I don't have to talk about that. But the one other thing is like with City that I, looking back on my season that I have observed, is that I spent like 15 transfers on City players this season. Right between getting like Dilv, Kuhn, then Kuhn got hurt, Sane. Raz, like probably Ederson, yeah, yeah. Like I think I had, I I started with Mendy, like getting rid of Mendy. Like I had every City player all year, and it was just bad. Like I was chasing like form for however you can do that with like someone like Sane, and you know I had Sane for a period of like five or six game weeks where he was destroying. But then he like got dropped, then he got subbed early, and then he subbed on late, and then I got trapped with him for a few like three to five game weeks where he was getting like one zero two two. So then all of the weeks that he was doing great, you know, it just balanced out to just he was like not really performing as a nine five million midfielder should. And I think I'm gonna pay a little bit more attention next season, regardless of like the fixtures or the team or whatever on on players that are rotation prone. Like one of the things I think I really did well this season was avoiding Arsenal basically all season. The only Arsenal player I had all season was Ozil game week one. I <laughs> yeah, ditched we both, him. We both yeah, we were both on him because you know we got the Emery, like they're gonna play open, blah blah blah. And it didn't pan out. I ditched him early. And then I didn't get an Arsenal player for really the whole season. I got class and match like really late and it didn't really affect me. He was just on my bench every week. But like the reason was he was playing a different team every week. So, you know, like Aubameyang's like, oh fuck, Ob's not in the team again. It's like game week 19 or something and everyone has him. And I'm like, well, this is great. You know, I'm not spending yeah. 11 million on a player who I genuinely don't know if he's going to start or not. And, you know, there's a difference between, you know, Emery tinkering every game week based. I mean, I'll bring him. he had some like illnesses. They had Europa League, whatever. But like he's tinkering based on like he doesn't genuinely know the best formation, the best eleven versus like you know Raz. We know Raz is in the first team. That's not a question. But when they have five thousand games in the season, you just never know when he's in a play. So it's six of one, half a dozen of the other, and they are both like similar risks to just play zero minutes in any given game week and. You cannot spend eleven million on that, in my opinion. So I'm gonna th- I'm gonna think about that a lot more this off season and and really look at it. But this thing with like Salah and Mane, they play every fucking game. They never dropped. Yep. So you know, it, and with captaincy, it plays in like how many game weeks were we just terrified of captaining either Kuhn or Raz because they had a UCL, even though they had an easy home fixture, they had a UCL game midweek, and we didn't know which game yep. Pep was gonna prioritize. Like that happened. All the time all the this time. season, and if I'm spending eleven plus on the player and I can't captain them when they're playing like home Bournemouth because I'm terrified, and then I captain like 
you know, I don't know, like Kane away to Leicester instead or whatever. Like it's not like horrible, but like that that needs to play into things. So that was a big thing. But I don't yeah, know that was a big so. thing. God, Obs and Laka, you brought up so many demons of mine for the season. I brought in. Ugh, I had so much like. I mean, of course, if I have this bad of a season, there's a lot of moments of like unluckiness. I mean, I was also really bad and made a lot of bad decisions. I'm not trying to like excuse myself from that, but I brought in Laporte at game week 11, and that was like the beginning of City's cold run. I got, I had him for 10, 10 plus game weeks, and he got me three cleans. And you just think about what he did before that. He went on a run of six straight clean sheets before I got him in. And then later in the season from game week 22 on, they have, he just he's probably the highest scorer in the fucking game. He, they got a million clean sheets. He got goals and assists and everything. It's just like I, I picked the exact worst possible time to get Laporte. Same with Obbs, same with Latka. It's just like, oh, yeah. oh my God. One one other player I do want to discuss here is Dean. Um, yeah, we didn't really actually answer the question of like a player that won us over, or a player that broke our heart, and that we won't want to own again. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's fine. But Dean was like <laughs> started at five million. You know, it took him a little while to get into the team at the very beginning of the season, and then Baines is. I mean, Baines, we know he's past it. Um, Dean got twenty two bonus points this year. Which is ridiculous. That's a ridiculous number of bonus points. So we know how much FPL loves unsuccessful crosses, and that's one of his bread and butter things that he does in life. And, you know, four goals, five assists can't be sniffed at. He's on some of those direct set pieces. So I'm, I'm concerned that they're going to price him at six million next season. They probably Not should. Sure. They probably should. 13 cleans. I mean, it wouldn't stun me if he's six and then they price. Some of the other guys at five five, and then we're all like Zuma as the one five million yeah. defender, I mean, like something like that, or they, Keen. They kept eight cleans in the last ten game weeks. Yeah, I that that's I just, gonna be why he's six million. I just I, I'm a little nervous about like a. We have to see what the fixtures are gonna look like, and I, I still am just not that convinced. I don't know if Everton were just like catching teams at the wrong time, and Silva again. You know, this is something also. You know, we we talked about on some pods this season, but one thing that he did not do was change formation, change system, change personnel. Yep. He was very consistent all season yep. with who he was playing. He changed the forward, like you know, he couldn't figure out if it was Tosun or DCL eventually came in. Yeah, but Rich he even, played yeah. every, pretty much every player like for the entire season knew where they were supposed to play, what they were doing. And I mean, I guess he did do a little bit of three at the back of the beginning, but you know, the last like 15 game weeks or so, 12 when they finished really strong, like they were playing the exact same shit, like Bernie on the left, like Rich, Burn, Andre Gomez, like, you know, uh, fucking, what's his name, Gay in the middle or whatever. And yeah, they, have, they have tons Bernard, of guys like, who logged so many minutes. Yeah, Siggy, like they, they were like, and I think that's a big reason why they finished really strongly because all these other teams are, you know, they were, they also didn't really face that many injuries to so their key men, um, during the season, but, So I'm not sure how much that if that like played up their finish because they were really bad at the beginning of the season and you know maybe they're just going to be good next year I'm not sure but if Dean's five five I think he'd probably be probably be straight in yeah he's really good yeah and the other thing is you were you were one of the first people on him I feel like and then yeah but then he you went away for from it because they were still 
being Everton and being really bad defensively and all that shit. And then he ended the season as strong as anyone in the game. Well, so, so. I, I, I think I got him like game week 11 when he had a 10 pointer or something. Either that's that week. No, or you 12. got him like a, he had like a fucking million pointer when you got him. I don't him. know. Didn't he, yeah, didn't I he mean, like brace or something? I have, think I already had had him for a, oh, wait, I'm, what am I doing? I'm clicking on the wrong players here. Hold oh, on yeah, you're right. You got him game week 16, he scored and got a 10-pointer. And then yeah. three game weeks later, game week 19, he got a brace 17-pointer. Yeah. And I kept him for a while, like then he got a 12, but he then had he had the a negative, negative, negative zero. Zero, <laughs> one. That's what, that's what it was. Then I had him. He had negative one in game week 23, negative two in game week 24. Which was red card ban- suspension. Yeah, banned in 25, I had him on, on my bench, obviously. Then he came back in and got a one against City. And then I think I had him for the Watford game, and he got two, and I was like, I can't fucking handle this anymore. And then, and then right after eight, I got rid, he had for the five. Next yeah, he got five, seven, four, six, six, eight, one, fourteen, eight, twelve. Like, so yeah, I don't know, dude. Yeah, Everton it's just Everton, keeping the guys long term. Yeah. It's like uh, every guy. Everton though is is a blind spot for me. There's like, just I very so many rarely, guys that we have liked and we have transferred in maybe even ahead of the curve i think i was probably ahead of the curve on laporte you were definitely ahead of the curve on dean there are countless other guys that are like this and we end up keeping them for like 10 or fewer game weeks and people who ended up keeping them for 20 ish game weeks all flew literally all flew all of these guys like i had robo for nine game weeks i had laporte for 10 game weeks i had like you know, whatever, uh, other, plenty of other guys like that. And yeah, I mean, it's just patience, but it's so hard when they're so being so bad and, and getting red cards and getting dropped and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, Ever- Everton, I think are going to be a really difficult team next year. Game week one, like looking at the prices. We and- were obsessed with them game week one this season. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Uh, at least from an attacking perspective. And then yeah. we kind of went away and I don't know, whatever. Um, Nar on Slack. Will you go into next season with the same biases from this season? Will Walsh ever own a Wolves player again? Yeah, no, for sure, same bias. Like a couple months doesn't. Get, it's not enough time for me. I need. I need at least like a year. So <laughs> the only player on Wolves I could imagine owning in the near term would be Jota, just because like he was in the game week one team and he's, he's a soup. One of, yeah, yeah, he's a soupy guy, and I'll always have a soft spot for him, but. Um, no, I mean Jim's gonna come up at least like probably eight five region. There's no way he's gonna be in my team. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I mean there's no way I'm gonna own Doc or a defender. Obviously, their defense is so bad. So <laughs> no, probably not any any wolves. But you know, with Spurs is another like obviously a big bias of mine is my my hatred towards them. But I always somehow have like so many Spurs players in my team like all the time. So. I'm sure I'll go back to the Spurs wall. Yeah, yeah. What, and Kane, and Kane will come back. Yeah, Kane. I mean. I probably have a lot of biases, but it's really hard to detect your own one. So I don't know. I mean, I'll do my best to be objective, but yeah, of course, we'll we'll always have biases. Um, a bunch of people, ten foot longboard, Chucky, Lukey B, Nashy, all on Slack, just wanted to know like our best and worst transfers of the season, or our our stroke of genius, our biggest mistake, and other ways to word it. All right. What are you What are you looking in here? I don't know. Let me pull up my fucking transfer page. I mean, I think that there was a time in the season when I brought in Mitrovic, and soon after that, no, it was probably Mitro. I mean, I brought in Mitro game week seventeen. Yeah, seventeen, dude. You you had him for 
like six years. Yeah, I was I was thinking about him because someone uh, messaged us on Instagram about like Pookie, the Norwich guy. I don't know how to say his name, and it made me think of Mitro. And like he was so good for gamers one through thirteen. He was like better than Jimenez. He was incredible. He had he put up so many points in that in that run. And that's around when they fired Dukanovic and brought in Ranieri and they were just like defensive nightmare and they were the worst thing ever. And that's when I brought him in. And I could have brought in Jimenez or literally anyone else would have been better because I ended up keeping him for so long and doing dealing with other shit. So that's probably my biggest regret right there because that's that's literally hundreds of points because he scored like two goals in ten game weeks or something like that. I mean, not hundreds of points, but a lot of points. Yeah, I mean, let me see how many games I had him. I have this shit open. Wait, what? Where is he? I had him. I started him twelve game weeks, and he got me thirty-eight points. Ugh, that's bad. Disgusting. Disgusting. So that's probably my biggest regret, aside from like, like what we've been saying all episode of veering away from our initial strategies of like, I had Robbo, I had Trent game week one, and I ended up with neither of them for like the majority of the season. So, but uh, what about your worst move? Um, I mean, I, I think starting with Otsul was really, that was really bad. Um, Really? It's I mean, just, it's, it's just easy to deal with, though, right? I mean, it's easy to deal with, but I think it's just a tricky thing when we look at our Game Week 1 teams of just, like, the margin's really slim, and, you know, if you miss on a few guys, it could really mean, like, hundreds of thousands of places. And taking kind of really punty, rogue, unnecessary risks, which is really what Otsal was, if we think about it and we look yeah, at it more honestly. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that, 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 I, I mean, I only had him for three game weeks and then I got rid and then, I mean, he, then he immediately put up like two double digit hauls in the span of three weeks after I got rid of him, obviously. But so it, it wasn't like a huge issue, but it just, I, I do regret that. I think I, I got a little too emotional there. Um, I mean, I feel like I, I mean, cutting you off, but like, I feel like Robbo is the easier answer for both of us. I mean, I'm looking at your transfer history. You did Robbo to Trent game week. Eight. I got rid of Robbo on my wild card. Like, what were yeah, I mean, we? I just, what I, were we I, fucking doing? You know, I I genuinely don't regret that move. Um, I understand why I did at the time. I I needed to free up the money to to make a significant upgrade elsewhere, and Trent was basically matching him pound for pound. I didn't foresee that the answer was just have both, but Trent immediately then had that spell of just you know he. He played for a little bit, then he kind of died, then he came back for a little bit, then he died again, and then he just had a little bit of a difficult patch there. Yeah. So I, I think it could have worked out differently, but yeah, obviously getting rid of Robbo has just like been a steady returner and, and a model of fitness wasn't the best thing, but I, I see where I was coming from there, and I, I don't think it was like stupid. Okay, okay. But um, I, I mean, I it also... It, Learning from my lessons of two years ago, starting with Erickson was a huge disaster for me. Um, I mean, I had him for for five game weeks. He got me seventeen total points for an average just over of three. And you know, he's a nine five player. So, I mean, I'm spending you know um, like like nineteen million on Otsal and Erickson, and I'm getting fuck all from them. And that's really why 
that's the exact reason why I, I didn't start well. I start with Robbo and Mendy, which is great, but you know, spending nineteen million on my two midfielders who are getting me two points every game is the reason why I was dirtling in the you know the two hundred to five hundred K region. So um I don't think that you know, I, I was able would have been able to foresee that Erickson would start so badly and you know, I mean he, he had his worst finish since fourteen fifteen. Worst yeah, FBL I mean, points total since 2014-15. Yeah, I, I think there is something in that. I, I think we might be seeing seeing a bit of a decline from him. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, he, what he's priced at next season. And, you know, the other thing that we were talking about at the beginning of the season that we were bugging out was that Trips was taking a lot of set pieces off him. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. you know, that could be about 20 points a year, which is a big game. So we'll, we'll have to see about that. But I, I the, the, one, the one thing that we, we really were... were in on was one B for game week one, four million for Palace was mm-hmm. the amount of points that he got me while I was rotating. I mean, I think I had him for about twenty ish game weeks, and the amount of cleans that we kept when we were rotating in our players and like the easy fixtures, it just felt like it was automatic. Like we were always keeping cleans against bad teams, which is just the dream. Yep, well, that, that was a good job. And then. And then another one that I, I, you know, I got, I got Rondon in, in game week fourteen, and oh, that was great. I, I mean, he did not admittedly like blow doors down. I mean, he wasn't like hauling for fun, but I mean, for a sub six million striker, when there were a lot of problems in that price region, and I just needed someone who I could kind of play periodically, he was also the kind of player who was. I was rotating him, and I want to talk about bench and, and price structure at some point. But you know, he was the kind of player who was really returning when I was starting him, and he was blanking when I was benching him. I know that when they're playing, you know, United or Chelsea or Spurs, those aren't going to be good games for Rondon to start. But you know, when they're playing like Huddersfield or or Everton or whatever or Bournemouth, that's when I get him in the team. And you know, the his. Average points per start aren't like great, but the average points he was getting for me when I was starting him in FPL was great, and he yeah he was he was he was great for me this season. I don't really have a genius stroke of genius move all season, which uh, you know that's part part of the reason why my rank was so bad. I think like my Lucas Mora punt game week one was really good and oh and yeah that off. was really good yeah he he was really good and and yeah. outscored like you know like Richarlison Jota the other competitors in the same region but ended up being like a must transfer out very soon after that so it didn't end up like yeah. long term really working out that well and there was a there was a period when Felipe Anderson was scoring every week and just being like incredible and that's like around when I brought him in but similarly to Lucas he he really fell off and was just like a, a must fire sale emergency move out soon after that so again like it was good when I got him in but then like I had to get rid of him and and held him for probably too long after that so yeah I didn't really have a fucking great move and uh, yeah my my season sucked so that's that um, M. Skillian on Slack. Foreign players often take a whole season to adapt to the Premier League. Which foreign players do you think are going to show a significant step up in performance in 2019-20? Yeah, like I think like Dean honestly is one that I'm I'm really thinking about there, just because you know he he had a lot of instances where he was just kind of caught out, yellow card challenges. You know he has, he got the red this season, and 
I think he's probably going to be able to learn a lot from the season, just like the pace of what he's going to be having to face next season. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping he can cut some of that out. Um, Obs, what do you what do you think? What do you what's your outlook with Obs? I mean, I'm I'm still of the mind of just completely fucking Arsenal off. You're talking about for next season. Yeah, I mean, I know you know he, they they got him to this is going to be his third or whatever, but you know he he only played you know like a thousand minutes last year, and his his final numbers this season were still like fantastic. He had twenty nine returns. He had over two hundred points. Yeah, highest scoring forward. But it's it's the inconsistency of minutes and stuff was just so frustrating. He, he, he just you can't probably, cap, you can't cap an Arsenal player. That's the thing, and he'll probably be eleven million next season. You cannot captain him. So I just I just. No. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other guys who I feel like had a kind of meh year, but I expect to to be a lot better next year. I mean, honestly, Mares is up there for me. I don't know. Obviously, the like minutes. The yeah, minutes I was going to say like there. that's hugely dependent on how many how many minutes he plays. But I don't know. Like he he obviously ended the season well with that that final game of the season, and I still rate him and think he's a really good player. I mean, we've seen with Pep and Klopp specifically, that it takes a long time to bet in and learn the system and stuff. And and players always kind of take longer than you would think to to be comfortable. Like I, I always think that like a Liverpool new signing is gonna just come in and like be amazing. Like Kaita or Fabinho or something, you know, just as, as yeah, examples this season. Year. It takes half the season. Like they don't even they're not even nailed until January or something. And it's just like but like I could see Mares with his skill set Really stepping into maybe a more prominent role, especially because Pep, I don't know, Pep always fucks off Sané and, and benches him for long stretches of time. Like I don't really know why, but that happens every year. So someone like that, it, it comes to mind. I mean, mm-hmm. Kaita too comes to mind. I'm trying to think of other guys that kind of like. Well, what what about? I mean, Spurs they they bought a lot of players last off season, so they have a lot of players coming into their second year. Yeah, they have a lot of new new guys coming in. Yeah, not not exactly. I'm trying to think of other guys. There probably are other guys, but I'm. I mean, this isn't exactly related to this question, but I do feel like Brighton could be a huge source of FPL oh, value next God. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I like we that have chat to, a lot. Yeah, I mean, we have to see who they buy, but well, know, I they, I'm if, more concerned with who they hire. That, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, who who they hire at manager to see what kind of we can expect. But I mean, we should see Grob probably should be five five after. I mean, he put eighty points up. I don't think they could justify higher than five five. Um, I mean the the Iranian he he's going to probably go down to five five as well. There could be a lot of really cheap soupy guys there. I mean I'm sure they'll buy a forward, but maybe it's going to be a six five forward option. If they have an attacking manager and their opening runs not like diabolical, they could be they could be and yeah they they are yeah. relevant to this question though also because a lot of their they spend a lot of money and they have a lot of talent and they're almost exclusively foreign like Andone, Lacadia, you know, like Kanaka, Basuma, like not all of them are new, but they're all, you know, relatively yeah. new to the Premier League. And yeah, the J- Jahan, Duffy, Jahan Baksh. Duffy's foreign. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, but like, yeah, I mean, if if one of those guys, say Andone just blows up in preseason and under attacking managers, the nailed forward, like he's probably going to be like five million or something. Like 
They, they I mean, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they need to buy someone who's actually good. But I just—it's really hard point. to evaluate and donate Lacadia who play in this fucking horrible season and barely yeah. play minutes. You yeah. know, it's like, but yeah, like Grob. I'm I'm very interested. If Grob's like, they might just put him at six, and then it's going to be like a bit he, of a fuck. He but. probably should be six five. No, he can't be six five. He put up eighty points this season. I know, but he, he only played... put up seven. But he only put up seven and eight the season before. It's not like he's like, oh, this like great, yeah, okay. solid so player, you know? Yeah, maybe six. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they do. They do have. Guys. No, I know that, he didn't that play is that interesting. Much, yeah. Who else is going to yeah. change manager? I mean, why could die any minute? So we'll see what happens with that. <laughs> just, just saying, bro. <laughs> Um, um, I, mean, hope, so, I mean, I still hope that Sari gets fired. I'm, it seems unlikely at this uh, point. Yeah, I don't think that happens. Yeah, uh, that's probably about it. I mean, there's there's, uh, well, of course, there's, there's, there's Southampton, of course, who we oh, really we, re- we really liked at the end of the season. Who I also think like they have a bunch of guys that you know we we assume they're all busts because they don't perform under fucking like Mark Hughes. But you know, like I don't know. Uh, El Yunusi or Stewie Armstrong or like someone like that after a preseason with Hasenhutl could be could end up being really good, you know. Yeah, and, we could have a cheap striker there. Yeah, Southampton def- not the defense obviously, but yeah, no. Southampton could have some some good cheap players for yeah. us next season. Yeah and, yeah, and I think West Ham too. I mean, it was Pellegrini's first season too. Their squad is five times too big than uh, like what it should be, but like Lanzini might start the season, like Yarmo fucking Jack. He was, yeah. Well, don't talk to me about Jack right now. I can't take it. I just can't take it. Yeah, Yarmo. He was like fucking turning it on that those yeah. few games. Yeah. Like there are a lot of guys that yeah, maybe Felipe. had a lost Felipe. season or okay. a new manager or whatever that could come in. Felipe is a good shout here. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't like diabolical this season. He finished with nine goals, six assists, but he definitely kind of damp squibbed it towards the end of the season. But. When they were firing on all cylinders, he was putting in man of the match performances like week on week. And it did seem like perhaps he finished slowly because he wasn't used to kind of the high intensity of a 38 game week season in England. Whereas, you know, he's you also go and play. Very, he has a bad injury history. So he hasn't really yeah. played full seasons that much. That's true. Yeah. He, this is one of the, I'm sure, a few 3,000 minute years. Yeah. Like in, in 16, 17, he played basically 3,000 minutes. And then in, 14, 15, and 15, 16, he played 2,000 minutes. And 17, 18, the year before they got him, he played 1,100 minutes. Yeah. So. And I mean, the, you know, the, the teams in the 14th to 20th place of the Italian in Syria are, are not, you know, it's, it's not the same kind of game that you're playing when you go yeah. to Burnley. Like it's still a fucking intense game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. he could he could bounce he could bounce next year. I mean, you know enough. I'm obs- you know I'm obsessed with him. No, I know you love him, but yeah, yeah. yeah, he could he could be an interesting one. And and he's also you know you know I mean we talk about it, but having the, these guys that are on the set pieces is just. It's so important. So it's just big. like it's, it's free. So it's free points that no one else gets. It's just the opportunity of just having the volume is like 
you're going to luck into something once in a while. And he's also already good on bonus, like underlying. So, you know, those things are good. So, yeah, yeah, Felipe, Felipe is interesting. Yeah, next Felipe season. sort of, Maddo sort of similarly. I mean, they Maddo, already have yeah, yeah. Braj. Oh, yeah, looking, Lester. Yeah. They're looking way better. Like, all of the Lester attackers are. Are interesting, and I'm very eager to see where they're priced. Pretty much, so yeah, Lester's a, a good chap for sure. And we'll have to see what happens with Tealmans, but yeah, yeah, they're going to be interesting next year. Yeah, the full the fullbacks. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Okay. Benner, Benner, fiance. Like, can you guys make another Patreon level where I can just pay to have Walsh run my team so I can finish inside the top 100k for once in my life? Yeah, come on, um, Kyle G on Slack. If there was a good tool for planning transfers and managing formation. Focusing on just two or three weeks at a time, do you think using it would have impacted your season and would sticking to your plan have helped? Or do you think it would have blinded you to other potential moves? Yeah, it's kind of a vague, hard one. It is something that I mentioned earlier that is something that I want to try and do. Whether, you know, whether sticking to the plan would be better or not all the time, I want to just be more aware of the plan and aware of the things that I, I was thinking previously or whatever. You know what I mean? I think that the one thing that really, and I don't know if this is actual based on what happened, but the allure of getting as many city attackers in my team, like I felt like that was pressuring me all season. Yeah, yeah. And the amount of times that they had bankers where they scored, you know, two or three, and my guy got like a single return, seemed like it happened all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was spending so much attention and transfers and focus on getting fit city attackers when if I just fucking had Ederson and Laporte the whole time, it would have just been better. Way better. So that that's something that I'm like I think that we get wrapped that is the one thing with with like the narrative that I still do get wrapped up in like on Slack and stuff is when a top team has a good fixture run and everyone's like taking hits or minus eights to get their attackers in like as many as possible I think I need to just kind of I need to acknowledge that next season a little bit more right because it's just it's just so more often than not that it just doesn't work out where they just fucking roll someone and score five or six and your guy gets like two or three returns. That doesn't happen that often. That's yeah, like we, four we games often a season. Say like next three game weeks, like City could score like five. Like yeah, team, like each game, and yeah, then they like, score like three and or four and three a three nil, a one nil, and a two one or something. And it's like yeah, five nils. We kind of take them for granted, you know. Especially like I'm a Liverpool supporter, like. I'm used to it happening the last two seasons. Like City, I'm I'm used to it happening for them for the last two seasons. Like they're not normal. They're really rare. And basically no other team ever does it. You know, and it's like, fuck, yeah, we probably probably put too much weight into that for sure. Yeah. Um Tim on Slack. In the beginning of the season, I remember Alon talking a bit about one approach, thinking of the spots on your team by value. Your mid-price mid, your premium mid, your forward, your budget forward, etc. Did the season support that kind of thinking, or do you think it proved that ripping up your team structure sometimes, even when you're not on wild card, is the way to go? Um... Mm, that's no, so I, hard. I, yeah, I, I I think that like theoretically it makes sense to look if, if you're gonna look at your team and like budget around like I'm gonna have these types of bracketed 
price bracketed players in certain spots and then looking at the players in that price bracket makes sense in comparison to one another. But I, I still think like maybe it's just not taking into account the whole picture enough because you're always a double swap away from just putting that on, on its head, you know, and, yeah. and turning your mid price mid into a premium and your mid price forward into a budget forward or something like that could be better. So it's a little bit. It, it, I think it's just like only one one half of the story kind of a thing. Does yeah, that make sense? I mean it makes sense, but at the same time, using one transfer to 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 make a move is way better than having to use two. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. For so sure. yeah, I think it's it's maybe more relevant from like a team building standpoint than it is throughout the season because once you're in that slot, it's harder to to get it out and change your team structure or whatever. But when you're building your game one, game week one team, like why did I have two of two or three? I had like three guys in the punty mid price range. Like that was so stupid. We even said it was stupid and I still did it. And okay. So talking about punty cheap mids, this is something I was like looking at and, and trying to figure out because this, this, this season, honestly, since I've started playing the game is the first time I ever, Genuinely spent more than you know one or two game weeks where I was just like in a panic at rotating attackers. Right. Um, you know, I spent more money on my bench this season than I ever have, and I think I like it a lot. The one thing that kept coming up this season were the amount of times that you know Raz didn't play. Or another premium attacker didn't play because of a Champions League game incoming, and you know my first guy off the bench was coming in like a lot, and I really started to come around on the idea that there's not that much difference between like a five-five Redmond and a seven-five, I don't know, Matto or six-five Matto or something yeah. where. What I'm saying in that in there is that you know I think that Matto plays on a better team is better has a better points output potential, but when we look at these players that are priced in this area on these mid table or below teams, we know which games they are going to have a better likelihood of getting points. Where meaning. When they're playing a top six team, they're going to basically be parked and they're not going to have a lot of opportunities. Versus, you know, when we look at Spurs, we don't know when they're playing home Brighton or at Arsenal which game they're going to score four in. It's anyone's guess. It's pure luck because the, they're great. They do great things whenever, and you just don't know what it's, when it's going to happen. But with like the Watfords, the Southamptons, the Leicesters of the world, you know, when they're playing a top a top six team, you know, you have a good idea in your head of what the game's going to look like. You know, you have the the Vardys or the Outliers or whatever. But being able to have you know maybe four players in the six five to five five region of you know Rondon, Redmond, Delafeu, like Phrase or something. And being able to rotate two spots with those four based on fixtures compared to like getting a four or five dead guy at striker and like Siggy, like, and then just starting Siggy every week. Like, like that is something I've kind of been looking at this season a lot. And I, I think, I think rotating the attackers is kind of good. What do you think? I'm stunned into silence because it's making so much sense. 
But we've never talked about this. No, we've before, never really. talked about it, and we've definitely never done it. I mean, you did it. Well, you, I've been doing it for like three months. I was going to say haven't you really did talked it. About it. Uh, when you, I think it was after you wild carded. Is when it was you when did I it. got Ron. Yeah, it was when I got Ron Jimenez, right? Yeah, yeah, and and like and Jerry or something like that, and you were rotating like two two spots two for at three. a time. Or something. Yeah, yeah. I, and I remember it being really good. And now that I think about it, it yeah, I actually love it because it used because to. We used thing, to always yeah. do that exact same rotation, but do it with defenders, right? We used to. Yeah, the yeah, classic yeah, yeah, upfield yeah. strategy was four or five defenders rotate them. They never play the, the top four. six, whatever. But yeah. Those yeah. are not dependable. Like those no. teams get between you know five and and nine cleans or whatever over the course of the season. There's a few outliers every season, but very very few. Which means that they're not cleaning in the games we're starting them for the most part because you know most of their games are not get, not against the top six and they're still only keeping like seven cleans over the course of the season. But I do like that a lot more from the attacking perspective, and I would love to. In my off season, I'm, I'm, I'll look at some data and see how often that comes through. But yeah, I mean, I it makes a lot of sense to me actually, and I really like it for that reason because it's just like starting like yeah, like Siggy or Matt or whatever, one of those guys against like they have like home Fulham and then you know away Chelsea. It's just like they have like a five percent chance of returning in away Chelsea, even though home Fulham is really good. Where if you're rotating to Cheaper guys like like you the examples you use like fucking Rondon and Fraze or something or maybe even cheaper Redmond. than that Redmond or whatever. If you're rotating them and they have you know fucking home Huddersfield and then the the other guy has away you know Southampton or whatever like that yeah. seems so much better that that yeah, is I, better I think. I think the other thing too about it that we're seeing now is I mean another reason why I've been thinking about it is like. The forwards and midfielders who are bankable, going to be the best players, best point returners in the game are double digit fucking expensive guys. Yeah. So the more you're able to skimp on this type of a rotation, right. And then spending money in defense, like makes you able to wedge in more of the 10 plus million guys where, you know, you know, you remember a few years ago when like Giroud was eight or something on Arsenal and he was just great. Like yeah, he was right, just right, great right. value or, you know, there were eight, five strikers like for days. There were a few yep. really good ones and that yep. was somewhere you wanted to be. And we haven't had that in three years. And so it's, it's kind of like that price region just has disappeared. And it's either the top premium 10 plus guys and then a bunch of shit from, you know, eight million to five, five million basically. So it seems to me like, you know, kind of yeah, going down I, I, the ladder. I really there. like it. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm just right. I'm just pulling up guys while you were talking to just kind of like look. Like Callum Wilson, he had 26 returns in the season. Like he obviously was injured for a little bit, but overall had just like a fantastic season. I, I he had one goal home United, which like they're barely even a top 6 times top 6 side, so it barely counts. And he had no a chance goal. at top 4. Yeah, exactly. And he had a goal away City, and those are his only two returns against the top six teams all season. And he had 26 fucking returns. So that yeah, means like if you were able to rotate him in, yeah. the, in the other fucking million matches against the top six and just play him again in the good ones, like you're doing pretty well because he was consistently good against the bad teams. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, I like this idea a lot. And I think it also has to do with, I mean, I'm kind of just rambling, but you mentioned earlier that the the, the quality in the table and the, the gap between the top teams and the middle teams and the bad teams is, is kind of growing wider, or it seems like it's growing wider at this moment. So it makes sense strategically if you're like a Bournemouth or a Newcastle or whatever to just set up, shut up shop and just try nil-nil and just try and get any one point that you can get against any of the top six sides. The the counterbalance to that is you have to actually win some games. You have to actually like attack against the mid-table teams, attack against Huddersfield, yeah. attack against Fulham, et cetera, to pick up three points to have you know, to be safe. I mean, you can't just yeah. be Brighton all season because then you're going to be in a relegation battle. You have to actually win some games. So, and and, and yeah. I think on that point is 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 what what we were talking about earlier about like the death of the four or five million defender. Like the bad teams were not cleaning when they played other bad teams because they're right. they're going for a win. They're not going for just like let's be solid and maybe we'll nick one on the counter. Literally, the only team all season. That were keeping cleans in Palace. the cleanable games was Palace. Palace and, yep. you know, I mean, we kept like 12 or something or, or yeah, whatever. 12, like, yeah. a, like a really good total for how much we were, pro- like we had all these four, four, four. It, it was the sixth most in the league. Yeah. So, but in yeah. general, it's like, yeah, I think that's. It's like been, Palace and Newcastle, sort of, too, like Rafa, but, but, Rafa's. Yeah, yeah Rafa. But, but yeah, I mean, yeah, whatever. I mean, Dubrovka can't, the set pieces are appalling. But if this was something that we had, like, we were getting a little bit of this data last season, and that's why we were heavy on defense in pregame right, week right, one. Right, but right. now, again, I mean, we've talked about it earlier, but like, like, it's really just like coming together where it's like this seems like it should be the new, like, metagame of the FPL team structure. Right. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I really like it a lot. And I, yeah, I'm just scanning through. Like, I, I just picked a random Bournemouth player or something, like as if we would own a Bournemouth defender. But like, two of their ten cleans were, you know, home Spurs and home Chelsea. Like, you're not starting them then, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's like ten games if you take the home and aways of them and the other couple or whatever. Yeah, you know. So it's yeah, it's interesting. There there were a lot of like shock nil nils or whatever this season and. No one, basically, no one benefits from them, but maybe we can. Yeah, Leicester, they they had a couple cleans against top teams, right? Yeah, they had a. I mean, they had such a weird season with the the changeover, but yeah, I mean, let me let me look just out of curiosity, and they cleaned, they cleaned away Chelsea. I mean, home Arsenal and home Chelsea to end the season. Like, okay. yeah, you're not starting them in any of those, and that means. That they're down to you know seven cleans on the season if you subtract those it's horrific you you don't want any of that interesting very interesting um, wow we're we're running super long here Danny Farmer on Slack and and Jacob on Slack sort of had the same question but is the Gen Pop simply getting better at FPL I was up thirty points from last year's overall total but down a hundred k in my overall rankings. That or was it due to the fact that everyone had lower price forwards, so they spent real money on expensive midfielders? And and Jacob's question was: given the number of players has doubled in the last three four years, is top two hundred k the new top hundred k? Please say yes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, but it is it is obviously getting more competitive. I mean, yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. there's just I, I don't know about like the people are getting better. I mean, you get spoon fed the little. FPL app, like I, that's hey, what I was going to actually bring whatever, up. But. The official FPL does, like it used to actually be nothing. There used to be no face of FPL. Like there was no like 
official FBL like tweeting all the shit and writing articles and having shows and like blah blah blah. There used to be none of that, which means the general population, the majority people who play the game casually just had no idea of like strategies for chips and like guys under the radar and whatever. And whether or not they're you always agree with what official FBL says they they bring up some points that definitely help the average player. So I'm sure the skill's going up and the and the more players makes it more difficult for sure. Yeah, I, I think it's more just like the more players. They're just I mean there's an extra like fucking million people playing every year. Like and, yeah. And dude when it's, we it's when we started FML FPL, there was like the, two like three or three million? pods maybe. Yeah. Oh there, pod pods. Yeah there were two. Yeah, there like was Scoutcast and and always cheating. Some other, yeah, some other like Americans <laughs> red card pod. And now there's like twenty, like more. No, there's way more than twenty. There's yeah, there's probably like forty, and there's twenty that I've heard of, yeah. and it's just like fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, Ricky on Slack, what general rule slash structure changes do you think would make the game better? I think previously Walsh mentioned no auto subs. Anything else? Oh god, I fucking hate the auto. I hate auto so subs so much, and I hate no, vice, I mean, and I, I hate vice caps so much too. I mean, it's it's very very clear and easy to me of what few changes to make to make the game just perfect. Okay, what do you think? Getting an assist for being taken down for a penalty is a fucking mockery of life. It needs to just be winning X amount of points for winning the pen. It should not be dependent on whether or not the pen taker slots. Period. Yes. Simple. Agreed. Agreed. They should not have bonus points. The bonus point system is a symbolic joke and it makes no sense. It rewards basically like bad plays that are somehow deemed good. Like again, I mean un- the fact that you put in an unsuccessful cross should be in no way, shape, or form like a good thing. Like that's a bad thing. That's bad. So it's just that is like X. I mean, we don't, we don't even need to rant on the the bonus. Yeah, you're the right. Bonus. You're right. I'm getting, fucking I'm getting worked up. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. It's like you know, they, there's yeah. How many times there's like a a, a one a two one game and a defender on the team that conceded two goals gets like two bonus points. It's like right. what the. F- Fuck is that? It's dumb. I mean, missing big chances basically saps any chance of you getting bonus points unless you get two or yeah. three so, returns. So it's like so every you, the best fact that player you're, in the yeah. fucking world. Yeah, it's like the fact that you're getting into positions to have a big chance is bad almost it's because bad. if you it's miss, bad for a field. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, we no, we talked about the wingers and then like you know the amount of baps that. The goal score from the forward compared to the midfield's difference. Like it, the whole thing should just be scrapped. I don't understand what the yeah, benefit it's, it's of it so is. It's so stupid. They tried to stupid. they tried to do it because they wanted midfielders who have no relevance in in FPL to have relevance in the game. And like, they, but they still don't. And that's they the thing failed is, miserably. Yeah. And it they just, still it's just don't. Awful. Yeah. And it rewards players like Hazard or like the the players that get like take ons and dribbles and get fouled. Like the players that are already great get a benefit. But right. whatever. I think that they should have a rotating captain, just like how UFPL had it a few Ooh, years interesting. ago. R.I.P. I think that the What's strategy. The UF, what's the UFPL? 
It was like ultimate fantasy Premier League. It was something that ran for a couple seasons. It was only eligible to to British citizens, and it's it's oh, defunct I've never now. even heard of that. Yeah. But yeah, it was a smaller game. It didn't didn't garner as many play probably because it wasn't worldwide. I think it was something like a gambling restriction or something. But you had to be in the UK to play it. Okay. But they it was basically like closer to closer to the UCL, the the fantasy Champions League rules. But they had a, a much larger squad. There were more specific transfer rules and whatever. And I don't. I didn't yeah. like any of that things, but the one thing they did was that you could rotate your captaincy from day to day to day. And when we have games on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, the amount of complexity that it would add with our like one transfer a week to having to look at you know your captaincy rolling options yeah, in the it four games a lot and of luck. it removes a lot of luck. And I think it's just it's so much fun when you have your captain going. That the fact that you could be able to get two, three, and some weeks four captains is just so fun. Like that's so fun. Yeah, that's just and I awesome. think I mean I just don't understand why I just don't get why it's not that, not a thing. It's it's just great. It's patently great. Yeah. So so those are the for the, for those rules and, and, my reasons, and what about that's what, I would do. what about lineup? What about like deadline being an hour before when you know? I feel like that's like a simple change. Like the deadline should be five minutes before the match starts. And so you don't just like guess the lineups. Yeah. I don't know. I, I see. Like I'm not sure about that because I like the fact that people get punished for picking players who yeah, are that, that's true. a lot. That's like, true. Like I really like. I really genuinely like that. That's true. Because if if that was removed, then you would have you just wouldn't be as penalized for. Making like risky picks yeah, and yeah, yeah. when they don't start, so yeah, I, 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 I like along that. with captaincy. Though I did want to say that, like obviously, if you had a rotating cap, you would not need vice cap, and I hate vice captain, and it always yeah. fucks me. And people always yeah. fucking captain to zero, and they get their vices coon or their yeah. vices no, law the, or whatever, and it's bullshit. The, the the only thing I think we've talked about this before, but the only time I believe that a vice captaincy should happen is if you're. If your captain is named for the starting team sheet and they get injured in warmups, that's when your vice captain should come into right. play. But Otherwise, if you had a rotating cap, not, then it wouldn't even matter. Yeah, and I don't care if they play zero minutes and they don't. They're an unused sub. You should get zero points for that player, right? Because, because you pick someone. The yeah, yeah, they're in the squad. They're on the bench. You pick someone who is at at chance of that happening. And if that happens, then you should be penalized, adjusted, you know, because of it. So right, right, right. I don't know. It's, it's just like we're talking about this in like ten minutes. Like I don't understand. I feel like everything we're saying is like these would all be like way better. Oh, and they just yeah, they, but they make the game worse every year. They figure out ways to make it worse. Yeah, they're they going to probably add more chips. It's going to be like fuck your mother chip. And like if your mom fell down today, you get an extra thirty points. Like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do next year. And that's a, that's a concern. Like I'm concerned that they're going to continue to make the game worse. Yeah, they're going to continue to make it like more yeah. catered to the casual player or whatever. And it's just like, what's the point of that? People are adding the people are more people are playing every year, no matter what. Like I I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's very, it's very frustrating there. Yeah, Ricky Chubbs, who's the first name on your team sheet? Game week one, twenty nineteen twenty. If Wilf is back at mid, which I expect him to be, he's straight the fuck in. And wow. he's still, he's still, if he's still if he's still a palace, that is. That's that's cool. I, like I, did, that I didn't know Wilf all year, dude. Yeah, he was good. He was great. Love yeah. him. Yeah. Didn't know him all year. Who's my first what name about, in the team sheet? Name? I mean, it's probably all like Trent, Trent or something. Probably who? Trent. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like Trent Robbo. 
Like one mm-hmm. of them. Like I don't care what their price is. If Rabo's seven, straight in. Easy. Straight in. Yeah. No. Rabo, Trent, like Alison or Van Dyke, Anderson, like all these things. The All it's the be regrets pretty- that we just talked about for the last hour. Yeah. 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 Uh, Ricky Chubbs again. Does this season make you want to be more of a risk taker, knee jerker, hit lover in the future? Or do you think there's more evidence for the cautious, steady approach? I don't know. But what, what, what do you think? I mean, my gut is just cautious, steady approach. I mean, like I, I in previous seasons took a lot more hits, excluding these last five game weeks where I just fucked it off. I used to take a lot more hits like, and be a little bit more risky and I, I've had more success than I did this season, but I don't think I was less successful because I was more patient and risk averse. I think I just made a few really bad picks and bad mistakes and eventually fucked off the game. I mean, if I, again, like the the same shit that we keep talking about, but if, if De Gea was Ederson and if I kept Robbo and Trent who I had in game week one, et cetera, like, I'd be I'd be a million places higher, you know. Like I think steady and cautious is still the best way to play the game if you're going for exclusively high ranks. But you know, it's possible to do it with taking a lot of hits. I just don't think it's advisable. Yeah, I mean, I I took four hits all season, which is that's by, nothing. It's by so many miles the least amount of hits I've taken since I played the game. Yeah, I think probably my my second lowest total is probably like ten hits or something. Yeah, um, I really liked the style this season. Like I felt very comfortable and calm all year about my transfers in, in general. And I also finished with a team value of like one hundred three point three, which is easily my lowest team value I've ever had. And I. Don't think there was more than maybe like one or two game weeks where I was point one or point two away from something that I felt it at all. Like I just couldn't have cared less. If my team value was an extra three million, I don't think I would have had a markedly better finish. Yeah. And like just this, like this felt like I figured out my equilibrium of kind of like how I want to build my team, what I want to do, you know. Save, spend one when I have to float. Like I was floating transfers for. I think I had about a month where I floated a transfer. Yeah, I was so and jealous I, every every yeah. time we potted. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mean, it's not like I was flying or anything, but just like my team was good, and it just wasn't coming off. But yeah. that kind of like that's how I like to play. Like that's what I'm going to be looking forward to next season doing the same thing. They're just building like that, and that that's for me. That's what works, but. At the same time, you know, there are plenty of people that have finished top 10K. They have like fucking 15 hits and yeah, they're, know, they're, they're big, chasing. Like and Big Luke, I'm a fucking friend of the Reddit, friend of the pod. He took a million hits. He sent me his team earlier this week. He took a million hits and he was like 1K overall or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can always just like chase and hit the big hitters who have home bankers and hit some captaincies and you know you don't need to do that more than two or three times to make up for minus 16 or whatever you know so if that's what you're good at then you should keep doing that but I've tried that and I'm not good at that so I'm not going to go back to that well right and I think a lot of it like I would I would have before this season considered myself someone who is good at that but I think what you realize when it goes pear shaped is that there's so much luck involved with hits. Like yeah. whether like trying to predict in a one or two or three game week, you know, window, trying to predict exactly what 
two players are going to do in those matches is so difficult. And that's why oh, yeah. we're not all professional gamblers and we play FPL instead. But yeah, I just looked it up. Big Luke, he finished 7K overall. Over the course of the season, he, he took 96 points worth of hits. And he finished 7K overall. That's, that's decent. It's fucking crazy. So I want to. So what? What? Let's talk about wild card first. Wild card because that's something that we every year are like. What are we up to? Oh, I mean, yeah. Well, so I I played mine in gimmick fourteen this year, and really, really late. Latest I've ever played it before. Yeah. The latest before in seasons past I've ever played my first wild card was gimmick eight. Yeah, and, and I went gimmick I, eleven this year is also my latest by far. Yeah, yeah. So I I was ranked two eighteen k gimmick fourteen. And I was between 200 and 400k from gimmick like five to gimmick 13. And I was just really not making much progress. I was just going back and forth, up and down from just not where I wanted to be land. What, what, what's your, what do you, did you learn anything about the wildcard usage, like being later? Or what are you, what are you thinking there? Um, I mean, earlier this season, at some point, you you suggested to me that I should be the type of person who plans the wild card early. Um, and I I have kept that in the back of my head all season, and I do think that holding it later because my team is is quote unquote okay, and I I'm not like in an urgent spot to need to wild card didn't really benefit me at all. I mean, I, I mean, this was a this was a narrative that we were both back and forth yeah. about each other's teams for a couple months of just yeah. like should I wild card? It's like oh well, you could just do this, and this guy has a bad fixture, you could yeah, double move fine. next week, like fix yeah. it, and it's fine. But we didn't just like pull the trigger and like overhaul. I mean, at the same time, just looking at yours, like you were you were two eighteen k, like you said in game week fourteen. Ten game weeks later, you were sixty seven k. I was. 379k when I wildcard in game week 11 and 10 game weeks later I was 143k. So we both over the stretch of having a more having probably a better 15 even though you know we we had to make moves and made some bad picks. Over the the 10 week stretch post wildcard, we did both go up a lot. We like it 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 worked out fine in the end. Um yeah. which I actually am surprised to see because I I think of my First half wild cards is always like the point of the season where I completely fuck my team. But I do think that still there's not really that much benefit of holding it until, you know, game week eleven versus doing it in like game week five or something. Like I don't I don't think the sample size is significantly bigger at that point. And I think for me, again, the same theme as the pod, and I'm speaking just for me, I'm not sure how you feel about this, but I Waiting till game week eleven, I was even further from our preseason evaluations. You know what I mean? Like we spend a month and a half setting up our game week one team and have all of these fucking thoughts and ideas and whatever. And we both were fucking. We had good game week one teams overall. And waiting till game week eleven, I was I was I had already like changed my team a lot from that original thinking, which is a, a mistake overall and something I want to rectify overall. But that probably hurt my wild card more than if I had done it in game week four or something. I probably would have had it still, you know, been seeing things more clearly and been like, no, I, I picked these guys game week one because they're fucking good. I'm going to keep Trent. I'm going to keep Robbo. I'm going to do this, this, this. And I probably would have had a better wild card team, I think, if I'd done it earlier. So, something that I'm just thinking of and coming up for me is like, 
how many game weeks do we need to evaluate what's happening this season? Right, like what's the sample size of, of, yeah. I mean, and maybe not necessarily like a sample side that's like, you know, really, but like how many games do we need to see of like team sheets, performances for us to determine, you know, what team's defenses look good, which attackers look good, which wingers look good, who's attacking a lot, like those kinds of things for FPL purposes. Like, do you think that after like three game weeks that we have a good enough read to be able to just like take 11 players out of our team? Put eleven new players in and be confident for the next three months because that's the thing that we always talk about of like the advantage to holding your wild card till later is that you continue to get more information of like what the teams are doing, which players look good and what what's happening, and it also brings you closer to the second wild card, which is a break glass where we're like you know if you get injuries and you have your second yeah, wild card still, yeah. so like the earlier you use your first wild card theoretically. You have more game weeks where you could have just like a crisis week or a couple where you have like a few injuries. You have to just take all these big hits to try and rectify your team, and then you're you're like spewing your value of using your wild card and and, and overhauling your team. So what do you think? Because yeah, because I mean, I've seen yeah, go ahead, I've go seen ahead. so many good FPL managers with good FPL like histories always use their their wild card by like game week like five. Every yeah. single year, yeah, it's yeah. like game week three is typical. They plan for they plan for two game weeks, literally two game weeks, and then they're just like after those two game weeks, I'm just going to wild card and I'm going to figure out what's happening and I'm going to just create a new team. And like I've never done that before, and, I, and I'm very interested in doing that this season. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking up like Mark FFS Mark, like he's fucking god, like he's ridiculously good at FPL. Like he game he wild card in game week three. This season, it's like, I mean, I don't know the answer to your question because it's really difficult and complicated to try and like, I don't know, separate that information out kind of and and think about it in that way. But I'm just like pulling up some stats right now just to kind of like see what's up. And I mean, there are trends that after two matches were kind of consistent throughout the season. I mean, like the top three... Top four non-penalty XG teams after the first two matches of the season are in order. City, Liverpool, Spurs, Bournemouth. It's like, well, yeah. if, you, if you stuck with that, if you were like, holy shit, Bournemouth is blowing up early doors, you're flying. And then the, the three worst defenses after the first two matches of the season in terms of XG, Huddersfield, West Ham, Fulham. It's like You, missed, you, you forgot about Wolves. Oh uh, yeah, I mean early they they were good, you know. Actually, statistically they've been good all year, but you know, like Huddersfield, West Ham, Fulham. Like okay, like if you if you had that going into the season that early, and we're like, well, I'm just going to captain against Huddersfield and Fulham every week. Like, oh my god, you're flying. So maybe like I don't know, maybe maybe it is a a decent enough snapshot to to get an idea. And like on the on the on the other side of things, like you know who was really bad, like. Manchester United, they were horrible. Like Arsenal were underperforming, not looking great. I mean, they had a really too tough first two. Like Chelsea were meh, like decent. You know, like there are these teams that in our game week one teams, we have kind of representation from like the majority of the top six in most seasons, I would say, where we're just kind of like, yeah, one Spurs guy, a couple Chelsea guys, United guy, whatever. Where it's like maybe 
after two, three, four matches where we can be like, no, fuck those other teams. Like we're getting City and Liverpool three and three auto. And then like who are the who are the mid table cheap guys who are like blowing up to the numbers back it? Does the eye test back it? Just boom, just get them automatically. Like so, I don't know. Yeah, maybe like, maybe uh, it yeah. is enough. Yeah. Yeah. But but then it's like also when we're talking about Looking into our game week one teams about just like building a big spine of, of getting defenders from Liverpool and City and shit like that. Mm-hmm. If we build our team that way, it is conceivably, you know, quote unquote safe. Right. What would we be learning in two game weeks to, you know, to, to, to warrant a You mean, a wild you mean card? for next season? Yeah, for next yeah, season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, that, that's about, very yeah. fair. I mean, we'll have to look at that. Yeah, I mean that's like a data thing. I feel like I need a. Now I'm getting really excited because now I want to look back at past seasons. You know what I mean? But I think that the the guys who were really standing out early doors that no one would have been on are like Fraser, and he was great all season. Imagine if you got Fraser if we wild carded him in game week three and kept him for the season. Like you're fucking flying at that point. He's his numbers backed it, you know what I mean? And yeah, or probably probably even like Doc to a degree because he yeah. was always flying up, playing advanced. Right? Yeah, and I'm sure I'm not looking. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm sure if you look first four game weeks or whatever among defenders, I'm sure he was probably the top like XG and and creating tons of chances and all that shit. And so maybe maybe the benefit of the wild card is not necessarily. Changing up the spine that much because maybe we'll we'll all be on triple city, triple Liverpool. But maybe it's changing up the fringes and finding all the bandwagon but, but, guys. Yeah, but 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 this is what we were always talking about this past this this season was you know the fringes didn't feel like enough of an issue to pop it, and we were always you know one or two or a save and a double switch away from just fixing those couple spots. But we weren't overhauling. I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. No. I mean, I. I think that is that is how we viewed it. But I'm saying I think that might be wrong. Like, you think it might be worth it to just do those six moves, even though we're still going to keep like five of our starters. It might be worth it. I, I don't yeah, know, and fair. I don't have the All numbers. Right. But like, you know, I ended up my season never getting Jimenez until the very end. If I wildcarded in game week four, like straight in, you know, I would have been like. You know, whatever fucking dick face I had, Arnie straight to Amena is like the obvious guy. That's obviously who I'd get. Wolves look great. He looks great. You know, like maybe, maybe that's how I drastically go up in rank is doing something like that. And like, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know, it, but it is worth maybe, maybe, worth maybe it also comes into a little bit of like, we're thinking of the price of the players as like the most expensive players we have to switch when we wildcard, but it might not be like that. It might be more important to switch the, you know, the, the seventh to 15th players on wildcard because the expensive players, no matter which way you go, they're all like fine on paper. Yeah. I mean, I, I looked at, I pulled this up before we started potting of that the sort of like top points contributors from those. Those five team, that five team sample that I mentioned earlier, which is me, you, Hive, Derek, and the the ninth overall guy, like the top five or six points contributors for all all five teams are basically the same. Like it's it's Raz, it's Salah, it's two Liverpool defenders, it's Kuhn, and and like one other guy or whatever. But then it starts getting way different. You know, for me, it's yeah. like Rashford, Arnie, Felipe Anderson, Son. You know, and for you, it's like. It's has rich, 
or no, not that's that's hive mind for you. Is it, it's AWB, Rondon, Mane, Arnie has, and you know, and that's where <laughs> that, the, that's yeah, that's where my weakness is. Is that it's Juan Basaka, Arnie, yeah, and Ron, some yeah. fuck Rondon, yeah, Rondon. Whereas like you look at Shark and 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 his team, and it's just. Has is his third highest, Rich is his fifth Rich, highest, you know, yeah. Doherty, yeah. Fab, like it's yeah, just the, guys the, that he the kept the entire picks. season. The yeah, easy picks, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting uh, thing. Very interesting this, thing. This is a good job, but dude, I'm buzzing right now. I know. Now, see, now, oh, God, we have to wait so long for it to start. I'm sweating so much. I know. We still have a lot of so questions, much. but uh, it's been a long pod. I don't know dude, if we this should... This is a Titanic pod. This is a fucking Titanic pod. Dude, do you know how much I care about the listeners? Don't care at all. Let's just keep talking. Okay, let's just keep going then. So Proudfoot, actually, perfect question to segue in because it's what we were just talking about. But Proudfoot on Slack, there's a lot of hindsightism at the end of the season, obviously. We should have just put in Jimmy, stuck with him, double, double Liverpool defense support, et cetera, et cetera. How can we be better about separating the signal from the noise in, term, in terms of figuring out the quote-unquote must-have type players, both cheap and expensive, like early in the season, like the bandwagons and stuff, you know? Okay, so so this, um, this I mean... I, Whatever about them. But one thing that I've been thinking of that happens every single year that I will always fall for one of said players is when someone gets like a two million price hike after a big season mm-hmm. and it's a fucking disaster. I like like Jim is honestly like I there is zero percent chance that he's in my team next year in game week one. When players get those price hikes, it's just like the towers price them to replicate what they did. But when they exceeded expectations to such a huge amount, I just don't, and I, I, I just don't believe that it's going to be replicated, let alone surpassed. They need to do better than what they did last season for their new price to be value. So, I'm going to be very wary of players that get like significant price hikes this season. Interesting. I think that's a good. I mean, place it, to start. It, it happens every year. It happens every. I mean, I'm not talking about like Haz or Kuhn or Raz or like Mo. Like, I mean, Mo was like nine five last year. He was like thirteen. Like he probably didn't really earn thirteen. I'm not sure about who you know you captain or whatever. But you know, we we, we see like with like Vardy, he like goes up to like nine five eight five or whatever, or like. Or Firmino goes up like when players go up by at least one million, it's just like it's going to be very difficult for them to outperform like their station of what they did last season when they had these huge explosive years. So like I like like we talked about like Grob like if Grob goes down to five five six, I'm salivating because he's going to get bonus points. He's going to be on some set pieces. You know, like those are the types of players I want. I want to buy players. Who go down? I don't want to short stock. Like I want to buy whatever the other thing of stocks are. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, I'm you want to buy about. low. Yeah, buy low. Bam. Yeah, but what do you think? Because we we talk about this, and then we we, we like forget about it. But it's just like the same thing. Like with Jota, he comes in, he's like six five. Like, okay, like promoted guy, six five talisman, blah blah blah. And we like talk ourselves into it, but then. If you really think about it, 
I mean, we did it with Gaston Ramirez when he came up from Middlesbrough. He was on our Game Week 1 teams last year. He was at 5-5. And he, again, low-key, got an assist in Game Week 2, just like Joe did this year. Yeah, he started, he started kind of yeah, well. Started, started great. And we cashed in on like a return in a couple games before we fucked them off. But buying these complete rogue unknowns just ends up in book transfers and nightmares for us. Yep. And same thing with these players that get these price hikes. Like that's also why Otsel, I think, was attractive to both of us was that he was, you know, lowest price he's kind of ever been in FPL. We know what kind of like assist potential skills, blah, blah, blah. And it just didn't work. But I just I, I'm gonna be very, very concerned. Like even like Chazzy Wilson, right? Like if he if he goes up to eight, I'm not fucking buying that shit. Who Callum? I mean it's at yeah, Cal. Yeah. It's like it's like Edward Howe. Like I'm not spending eight million on one of your players. Or if if Phrase goes to like seven five eight, I'm just I'm I don't want to be there. Like I just don't see value there because I think at 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 best he replicates what he did last year, and then he's barely making his value this year with right. the price hike. You know. Right, right, right. Yeah, that is That's interesting. It. I mean, it, it's it's it is. The most difficult thing to separate the signal from signal from the noise, like he said. I mean, it's I'm just I was just bringing up those early season numbers to try and you know look at like oh man I would have got phrased early if I wild carded early. I mean, there's probably tons of other guys that started off really hot and were terrible picks for long term, you know, and I would have fallen in that trap if I was using that logic. So I don't fully know. Um, you know how to avoid that, but I do think that using more using more of the data that we gathered the month before the season started and weighing that a little bit heavier, pairing it with what we're seeing with our eye test and what we're seeing with the numbers in the early season, I think it is a little bit more acceptable to you know early wildcard and maybe jump on like a. Yeah, I don't. Who else was good early? I don't even remember. So I, I mean, I don't remember early. But 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 another thing too, like when hearing you say what you just said is coming back for me is just the eye test and also you know your evaluation of players of what you see from them. So like an example of this to me is watching. I probably watched like twenty Newcastle games this season. Somehow watch a lot of Newcastle, a lot yeah, of Newcastle, yeah, and. Rondon and Iose Perez up top were doing things this season. And those, I am very curious to see their prices next season and their fixtures because those are the kind of players that I could do with a little bit of a price hike and seeing them as maybe just huge rotational value picks. Like if they're both 6'5, which I think is very feasible, mm-hmm. you know, you could go with like a, a Four or five at the back, you have both of them in with an actual good striker alongside, and you're rotating them with like two mids and just like a two for two rotation for two two spots or whatever. And like that's the kind of thing where you know you you look at the players and, and the performances and what you think they're gonna do next season. Like, okay, like, you know, obviously it would be nice if Rondon's like six million or five five again, but you know, that doesn't seem like that reasonable. But you know, the the team and the player like a, a little bit of an upward trajectory, but if it's like a modest price hike, but like with Callum, like I, I don't think he's gonna be under eight, right? That would be very strange to me. He was the fifth fifth yeah. highest point scoring forward. 
But to think that you're going to spend $8 million on a Bournemouth forward just feels absolutely ludicrous. He's not even on pens. It just doesn't make sense to me. So I, I think there's, there is a lot of that too. And, and I also don't really rate Callum. I mean, he misses a lot of sitters. He misses a lot of huge, enormous, fucking gigantic chances. Every single game I watch him play, like he's a volume striker. You know, he's going to get his points, well, I'm sure. But yeah, then another thing with Bournemouth early season, just talking about Callum in general is, I mean, hindsight's 2020, but their fixture run was absurd. They had, Away Chelsea in game week four, and every other was like a bottom six team. And that's where the Fraser and Callum points came from, you know, more than anything. I mean, they, they were both like solid for the rest of the season. They're two good players and, and a, a decent attacking team or whatever, but that's like where they became trendy and everyone had them and their prices yeah. rose a lot yeah. was that first like 11 game weeks or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, good. yeah, that's interesting. Ray on yeah. Slack, can we get some broad stroke predictions for next season? Formation, etc. Will strikers make a comeback? Defenders basically dumpstered them this year. Yeah, strikers. I don't know about strikers. I mean, I, I think with strikers is something that we've kind of been like hinting at is just there's no mid priced striker bracket anymore. It's either premium or budget. Yeah, it's premium, Vardy, or budget. <laughs> yeah, or like Bob or whatever. But I, I think that's kind of why I think the rotating attackers thing looks like it might work better. I also think that, what do you think about the re- reclassification of some players? I mean, Zaha played zero games at striker this season, so that's not tenable that he will be at, he'll be a midfielder next season. But. Yeah, I mean, I think that like someone mentioned did mention this in Slack and about you know like Salah and Raz and all these guys like well, they've, they're mid, so. they've never treated wingers slash wide forward slash inverted yeah, wingers they're, they're, yeah, as they're, forwards. They're, yeah, they're so mid, I don't think they ever will. You know, I don't think yeah. they're going to make that change because that would just drastically change the game forever. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think that yeah, someone like Wilf may may go back to mid. I mean, Arnie Arnie will stay because he played mostly at striker, but I don't really think there's going to be a, other like huge changes from that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. Probably just Wolf, right? Yeah. yeah, well, I can't think of other mids that are going to get like classes far. Like, who are the the out of position mids this year? Like Jota, Jota might be no. a striker. No, I don't know. Yeah, like, he, be, they, be, they switched top. to two up top enough at the end. Yeah, of the they season. switched to two up top for like you know twenty games. Would, I feel yeah, like that would be that would be a death. And Jerry D could also be. Oh yeah, he was playing up top with Troy. Yeah, so those are two interesting mm. ones that could actually be nice budget picks. But yeah, I don't know. Overall, strikers are cheap, and I don't really want to start more than like two ever. I don't think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mr. Tools on sack. I've always played a passive start and aggressive finish. Is the opposite now the better option? I don't know. I would like to be aggressive all the time and not be bad, but I can't tell you how to do. Yeah, that. I mean, I I do think like our this early wild card talk and that kind of stuff we're talking about is sort of an aggressive start, way more than we normally do, and I do yeah. like that prospect because I I think it'd be easy for us to kind of like keep a good rank, and it's much harder to like start poorly and then break in. Yeah. I mean, like, what if, like, okay, so, so what if talking about this, like, early wild card situation that City and Liverpool both have 
an, a tricky fixture like Game Week 2. Like one plays Arsenal, the other plays Chelsea or something. Like would it look like we just swerve their defense entirely, get a bunch of four or five stainers who have good fixtures for those two game weeks and just buy as many expensive attackers as we can? And they just wild card for like game week three. Like, is that what we're what we want to do? Yeah, so I'm still I mean, not. That sounds cool. Yeah. Okay, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I because I'm trying to play it through. I've never done it before, so yeah, I don't neither, know. Like, I don't know how you look at like what lens you look through to build your game week one team when you're expecting to wild card like very soon. Yeah, I think because I'm is always what looking. You do, although I'm I'm remembering back now to the to again the fireside you had with the general where. He, the way that I think he was talking about it was he kind of sets his team up for an early wild card, but he also sets it up to be like I might not wild card, which means like he he wouldn't do that extreme of not getting like City and yeah. Liverpool players or something. So see, see, like that was that's my problem is that I never set up to do an early wild card, and when I set up to do just like a mid like game like four to six game week team, I'm just never near a wild card. Like I need yeah. multiple injuries. Like that's the nature right. of doing that. Right. I don't know. All right, it, it is hard. Yeah, I'm yeah. curious what other people think. FPL is hard, dude. I mean, but yeah, just like looking at your game week rank, like you were 580k in game week four. Is that good or bad? I mean, you went up a lot the next game week, but you know, you had you had Arnie, you had Erickson, you had David, dude. you had Pedro, you, you had when, Shaw. <laughs> when you like, called me that the Shaw game, like the first game of the season goal, oh I was my god, master. Baiting. I can't believe that. That was good. That, that was, was my highlight of the was, season. That was Manchester United's highlight of the season, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it was their best thing. Winning 2 1 against Leicester was probably their best win. Oh, God. Um, I'm going to skip this question. D. Carrillo, D. Carrillo on Instagram. Now we got we're de- in the depths. Now we're getting DMs on Instagram. Will your triple captain strategies be adjust going forward? I fucking hate triple captain. Dude. Yeah, I'm not really. I don't care. I just I just don't. I'll probably care about just it. be a little more wild west with it. I mean, I this season was a wash. Like, forget anything I did this season. But I'll probably like do if I just feel really good about, you know, say Salah or Kane or something in a game week in a single game week, I'll probably just do it. I'll probably just rip it because yeah, it, I've, saving I've never, it has never yeah. worked for me. Yeah. I've never really hit it on a double game weeker in my life since they introduced this godforsaken chips using it like game week six. I just sounds incredible because taking that like fallacy of a data point of how I should wildcard later on of like oh well yeah. then I could triple Ugh. captain this like it fuck that just shit doesn't work for me I don't I've never yeah. gotten points out of if, it so if I Liverpool just don't care. or City are like home Norwich game week one I'm fucking using it game week one yeah I mean just I'm getting getting it out of the way seems fine so fucking fuck triple captain triple cap all that shit nightmare. I did good with bench boost this year, though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the template uh, chip strategy of like wild card into bench boost like was really good this year. It's not yeah. always good, but it was really good this year. Yeah. MB on Twitter, who's the best player you never had in your team? Laporte. Yeah, I, I, I talked about this. Uh, didn't you have him at some point or no? No, I don't. I don't think I had him at all season. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. that's brutal. 
Did did you get Jim eventually or no? Yeah, I got him eventually, and that was like a waste because my season was already fucked. I should have just been going for differentials, so that was like kind of stupid. Did I? I I'm not sure if I ever had a mid has. I was about to say I'm not sure if I had has. I don't think I did. Don't think you had has. Let me let me control F it. Not great, Bob. I brought him in. No, no. This these were just like wildcard tinkers. No, I never had has. And he had fucking 230 points. Yep. Second most points. Okay. Yep. I mean, Mo had more points, so fuck it. But we could play fantasy La Liga next season and both start with him. Yeah, true. Good point. Okay. Uh, FPL Puck on Twitter. Player the most excited for next season? I mean, Millie should have 400 points next season. VAR. Oh my God. VAR is going to ruin this fucking game and league. Millie in. That's it. That's all I have to say. Yeah, Millie. Millie's a really good one. Or if not Millie, whatever team Wilf is playing on next season, just get the pen taker, the pen fifteen taker. Yeah. Oh it's man. A, it's a ha- luckily, Has is leaving because whoever, you know, he would just he would score actually four hundred points maybe. David Luiz on pens. Let's go. <laughs> Who am I most excited for next year? Hmm, that's really hard. It probably is someone like, like a Redmondish type person, or like if Babel transfers to a good team or something, like one of those five to five five guys who I yeah. ended the season really strong and I really like the look of, and the, they have a better team or better manager or both. Like that, that always excites me because they'll still be priced really low. Um, yeah. Chris on Twitter, how fucking expensive will Liverpool defenders be next season? Oh my god, so expensive. Yeah, I mean, I think my my early early doors predictions would be seven Rob, six five Vai Vai Dai. Uh, seven six million, six million Trent. What? I think six million. Yeah, I, I think he six ended million. this season at at five eight. He's gonna easily be at least six five. He had the most assists in in Premier League I, history for a defender. I I, I think they play a good amount into just like the minutes and the minutes outlook, like especially expecting Jomez to be fit for preseason. I, I don't know. Yeah, six five could happen. I, I, I think I, six. I feel like it has to. I mean he he missed a lot of time with injury too. And again, like like he had fucking thirteen assists. Yeah, yeah, possible. And then I think they'll do five five for Matip, Lover and Gomez. They'll be five five. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah no, like, Trent six five could happen. Like, dude, Kev, I, I think Kev had eighteen assists last season, and Trent almost you know was in that region. He didn't almost have. No, it. I, I, I'm region. not saying like if Trent played three thousand minutes, like yeah. and he was like nailed first choice right back like Robbo is. Yeah, I just I don't think that it's in the same kind of category. So that's why yeah. I'm like. Maybe hoping that he might be six. Yeah, I think yeah, you're six. hoping more than realistic. I think oh, he's okay, at least six. Five. Okay, okay. I wish I Fine. fucking hope he's four five. That would be great. Um, Al- like, Allison six. Be, yeah, yeah. I, I think. Yeah, so. I, I think I, they got to go. Al- Allison and Ederson have to go to six. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I, I mean, they could also just pull out a new classification for Trent as like a two five million defender. <laughs> They do, you know. They they change the rules when they want. Yeah, just add him late four zero. Um, three more questions. 
Evanescence. We're, two, we're running two hours. Do we want to hit three? Do we want to hit three more? Three more is nothing. That's it. Right, Bang right. that out. Evanescence on Twitter. Early this season, I was hurt by not bringing in players from the classic beach teams, Bournemouth at Watford, because I was skewed by their performance toward the end of the previous season. How do you pick those players, even if they were trash at the end? Yeah, I I think that we touched on a few of them. I think like Everton is going to be a very difficult one to, to call. I think West Ham will be very difficult to call. Um. Lester as well. I mean, I, I'm pro- Lester probably will have a, a, a good amount of like bandwagony stuff because of Braj. Mm-hmm. Palace also. I'm not sure. It's it's going to be really dependent on the prices. I think of the players more than like their performances at the end of the season. But it's it's going to probably be a little bit of both. But yeah, I, don't I think mean, there's it's definitely an hard. There's definitely recency bias. We all suffer from yeah. it. Like yeah. I'm obviously higher on Everton now than I. If their season went the reverse way and started really hot and ended really strong, uh, ended really shit, then I I would be much cooler on them for next season. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, I don't know. You gotta just you gotta just try and be objective about it and be aware of the, of the bias. I think. Yeah, I feel like Burnley. Who's to say? What yeah. Bennett on Slack. Which player can you not believe you signed this season in hindsight? For example, I cannot believe I had Benteke until game week six. And which player will you be saying the same about next year? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, it's got to be Rui for me. Um, oh, Rui, Rui, Rui and Bennett, I mean, combo session. I just cannot believe Bennett. what had what befallen me with these absolute savage cunts on Wolves. It's it's just amazing how bad they were for that run of 10 fixtures where it's like home Brighton at West Ham, home Cardiff, home Burnley at Bournemouth, home. Fo- it's just like I'm making this up, but that's what I think they did. And they yeah. just kept absolutely zero clean sheets for all of the games. Absurd. It's an absurdity to me. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Yeah, I mean, I had some bad guys. I had Schindler for a bit, but he was mostly on my bench, so it wasn't like that. That crazy bat. Oh, probably Muzza, dude. I had Muzza. I had I had Glenn Murray after. I think it was after a wild card. I had him for like you. Six, I, talk, I tried to, to eight talk game you, weeks or something. I tried to talk you out of the Muzz, and you just couldn't be. You couldn't be. Uh, yeah, persuaded. Honestly, I, I'm thinking back. I think there was like a clerical error. <laughs> Which is why I kept him. I remember after, like, potting after that game week and being like, I told myself I was going to bring in a mid for Muzz and I didn't do it, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I had him for like six or seven game weeks and oh my God, it was just like a fucking joke. Like an absolute fucking joke. What, what is a clerical error in your, from your perspective? It was after talking with, people like you and like bug or whatever i was like right yeah this is the move i should make i agree and then i just like probably went out that night and went to sleep at 5 a.m and forgot to do it or something so you made an individual personal fuck up error it was not no there were no clerics involved yeah yeah yeah. that's true okay got it yeah well i'm my own cleric i guess good job by you yeah clerk 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 yeah clergyman Clerics are uh, like uh, spiritual guidance men or some such. Right, thing. right, right. This is not magic. Oh, don't don't start. Okay, and last we'll, guy we'll on Instagram. Last, three hours. last question for the three hour long pod at T Kaza on Instagram. 
Why do you think this diffi- this season was so difficult for so many FPL pundits? Which is like myself and like general and fucking lots of lots of people with good records and whatever had nightmare seasons. So why was it this season? I, like my my take on this in general is that there are so many quote unquote FPL pundits that it's just like no matter what season happens, you're mm-hmm. gonna have a percentage of them doing badly. Interesting. And it has nothing to do with the individual season and it's just variance. Interesting. Wow. So I did I, not I expect that from you at all. Yeah, I mean I just don't buy into that concept whatsoever full stop. Like when Leicester won the title on fucking 13 points, FPL pundits were flying cuz you know you had Mara's game week 1 or like people adopted them or yeah. like whatever. It's yeah. just I don't think there's any correlation there. I think it's just like there are a hundred FPL pundits, and fifteen to twenty-five of them do badly every year, and that's that. Wow, I didn't expect that, but it sounds way more reasonable than anything else I can come up with. Well, what, I don't, what, what do you think I would say? No, I don't know, because I I have no like one. I'm not the type of person that like blames luck or like has like oh, if I made this one move or triple cap this one guy, I would have had a good season. Like. I just, that's just not true. Like, I just had a bad season through and through, start to finish, lots of bad moves, lots of bad picks. Like, you know, didn't make the move when I should have, made too many moves when I should have stayed, like, all that shit. So I had no answer, but I think your answer is way more reasonable than. Than you know anything anything else that I just said. So well, that, that's why we're a team. Yeah, that's uh, I needed you there. So that's good. All right. Holy shit, that was so long. I don't even know what we said. Once again, I have no idea what we just talked about. Um, there's a few new Patreon signups who need their anuses slapped. This is the last anus slapping of the season until you know we start potting again in July. And we're also again, like Walsh said at the beginning of the pod, we're going to pause all the charges and everything, so it'll be you know free, no charge for June, no charge for July. Can Good. people sign up in June and July? Or you can still aware? sign up in June and July. You just won't get charged. So if you want to check out Slack, see what the hype is all about, and talk to some people, get fucking cyber bullied, then you should get in there. <laughs> or to fucking talk to Ray about yeah keto dieting and yeah you could put game, coffee game in your of, milk game of if Thrones you want. Chat. Yeah, Game of Thrones chat. Yeah, I don't, don't know. Don't coffee milk with me right now. It's not the time. Yeah, Anya killed the. Uh, you know, whatever. I don't. I don't watch Game of Thrones. So we got a few new signups this week. We got Sam Williman, Stephen Gothrop, and Christopher Mallon. Legends, get in there, slap that shit. Let's go. Any any final final words until you know we're we're done for two months? Anything anything left? This this is the end of an era. May sixteenth, Thursday. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna be off. This is gonna be the longest break we've ever done since we started potting. By so much. By a big margin. Yeah, by like yeah, a month and a half. Okay. Wow. Yeah, no, it's 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 okay. It's a good job by you, love you. Everything's yeah, you been too. great. Yeah. We'll we'll get back in there in uh late summer. Yeah, absolutely. Good job right. by everyone. Thank they you. I still all. don't care about any of the listeners. Oh my god, here we go again. Oh my goodness. Oh my Check goodness. us out at FMLPL.com. Follow us on Twitter at FMLPL. Support us at patreon.com slash FMLPL. Subscribe, rate, review, and cheers!